Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti Ecruel Dubai. Delighted to welcome to the show a man who had an incredibly successful career as a jockey. Indeed, he broke a record straight out of the blocks when still a teenager, 91 winners as a conditional jockey, became one of the first established stable jockeys to Paul Nichols, for whom he rode multiple grade one winners, including his first Cheltenham Festival winner, and now has embarked on an even more stellar career as part of the all-conquering Tizard training team. He is, of course, Joe Tizard. Good morning. Hi, Nick. And fresh from, from Ascot yesterday, an unusually quiet Saturday for you. Yeah, it was. Four runners yesterday. Um, just the one at Ascot, so it's an easy day for me, really. Dad, Dad was down at Taunton. But if you'd said 15 years ago, oh, just a quiet Saturday for the Colin Tizard team with only only four runners, <laughs> three of them at Ascot, you, the people would have said, what? That's... So, uh, you know, and if you'd said the Tizards joined the roster of Cheveley Park trainers, people might have been equally surprised. It's amazing how it's how it snowballed. Yeah, it is. It's um, at home we didn't really we haven't really noticed it. You know, it just gradually got bigger and bigger. And then um, it's only when you sort of like sit back now and you look and think, blimey, that's um, I can't remember how it used to be. To be honest, you know, there was back when there was sort of twenty horses in. Felt busy then. It's even more so now. And, and it, when you talk to you and, and, and your father, it seems as though it's just grown organically and grown organically. Was there ever a big plan, a grand plan, to turn it into the sort of juggernaut that it is now? Um, not necessarily a grand plan, but Dad, Dad always liked the idea of, of training horses. You know, even when, even when we were point to pointing, um, Dad, Dad enjoyed doing that. We were dairy farmers, but but Dad enjoyed. Enjoyed having having horses about and, and you know thinking that he was a, it was a trainer certainly and then the sort of like the the first big step for us was when I turned professional. Dad did one season with point to pointers, trying to find jockeys that he didn't know. He was he was doing it for for me as his son to to ride for him as a family thing and um, he didn't have a lot of fun in that. So so got a permit out and then um, and then horses that we were beating in point to point fields or, or were beating ours. They were like, well, if he can win under rules and, and have a bit more, mine could win under rules. And then, 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 then the permit turned into a full licence, and then it just gradually stepped up. Because, of course, in the early days, I suppose, of, of your dad's career with a licence, you were otherwise engaged, and you were otherwise engaged on one of the most Im important jobs in the sport. When you, when you look back on your early career as a jockey now, how do you, how do you look back on it? Um, well, I'm very proud of it, but like the, the first season, we're talking about the when I was champion conditional, I was kind of oblivious to what was going on. And to be perfectly honest, I'd, I'd gone into this role from a 16-year-old that, that I went I went to Pornicles when I was 16 years old, used to go there on my moped, and then amateur, turned professional. I remember driving back from Fontwell, and Paul was saying, "I think you should turn professional." I went home to mum and dad, and was like, "Paul wants me to turn professional." That was like a huge step. But then I turned professional. Within the first month, I had seven winners. Next thing, I'm, I've ridden 91 winners in a season. <laughs> and, and honestly, did just, it was, I was kind of oblivious to it. I just got on these horses that jumped for fun. They were the best horses in the race. And I just steered them round, and, and they won. And, that, and that's how it was. I think, um, I think the longest period I went was like 14, 15 rides through the whole season without having a winner. And it... Um, you know, that was three or four days. It was just it just point and go, and his horses were flying. And um, but I can't I can't say that I really knew knew what what I was doing. I was just I was just this jockey in this whirlwind, and loved every second of it, and just steered these brilliant horses around. And were you appreciating it at the time, or did you not really appreciate it? I, I think I, like you do, but but then then you have a couple of like so when I was perhaps 
mid-twenties or um, then then you realise what was going on then and you, you kind, of, I kind of wish I had, a, had the ch- chance again because cause you're a lot more streetwise and, and you know what's what more. And you were so young as well. And when you get a job with that much pressure and those bigger owners started coming into the yard, that must have been quite quite tough. Yeah, the first season it, it wasn't the case because it was because it was all good. The, the second season was um, was harder because the horses weren't in quite so good good form, and, and then then you get a f- not fingers pointing because that's that's wrong. But then you know Paul was growing as well at the same time, and he was attracting these big owners who who wanted. Adrian Maguire, say, or Paul Carberry, and people like that. That was who I was, who I was competing against. And, um, and once one goes, then then a couple more go. And um, it was kind of the second season was a bit more of a, more of a wake up call and w- welcome to. We're no longer just having a jolly. This is this is a proper business. But you did ride at Paul Nichols's first ever Cheltenham Festival winner. Yeah, Flagsbury Barlows, yeah. yeah. And uh, what a horse he was. Um, went to three different trainers in the end and, and won a stack of grade ones for all of them. But when you were on him, he really was at his, his absolute pomp as a, as a younger horse. Um, talk me through that day at, at Cheltenham when he won the Arkle. Well, I can still remember um, going down to the first three in the Arkle, and it was the quickest I'd ever been. I'd, I'd been riding in, in all the big races all season, but that was the quickest I'd been down to, down to a fence. And... and you know, we went at a right gallop, but he was. Um, those good horses have the ability to pee. I think he actually lost a pe- lost a gear as he got older, because in, when he won his que- Queen Mother, he was, you know, he, he outstayed them really. But when he won the Arkle, he, he had a gear, and um, you know, and he had lots of scope, so so everything was spot on or longer, and he was just able to take you take you through a race. And um, you know, he got a bit tight to the second last, but other than that, it was it was straightforward. It was it was. He was expected to win, and he was—he sure he did it in, in really good style. And it was an interesting Cheltenham Festival for you because although you had that winner, the Gold Cup was a different story because you were on Double Thriller, who was the favourite, mm-hmm. and yet the Sable Companion Seymour Business was the winner at, at sixteen to one. How did that? How did that feel? Um, you, you definitely think about oh, did, did I didn't I didn't really have the have the choice as such because I'd done so well on Double Thriller leading up to it that that he was sort of. My ride in, in Seymour business hadn't um, wasn't having a great year until until they sort of introduced the, the blinkers, but um, so it, it was obviously disappointing to miss out on a on a Gold Cup winner. But it wasn't it wasn't really the option that Joe you make the decision which one you're going to ride because it was kind of the way the Seymour had been running and the way Double Thriller and I won big race on him. It was just that was that was the one I was always going to ride. You see, so. So it's one that got away. It wasn't a Ruby Walsh Corto Denman choice. No, no, it wasn't anything like that. You know, it was, it was. Double Thriller was was a horse I was going to ride from for some time leading up to it, and um, you know, he ran, he ran really well, finishing fourth. And it's amazing you 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 gauge how successful and how influential somebody's been by how many people you talk to whose lives have intertwined with them, and it's you're probably the tenth person who sat in that chair who's had sort of a major involvement with Paul Nichols. And everybody talks quite interestingly about him and what it was like in those days and this machine moving forwards. Just, just give me a flavour of the of the atmosphere at Ditcher in the sort of late nineties, early noughties. Uh, it was um it was it was in- incredible. I went there as a sixteen year old and I just happened to knock on the kitchen door and and instead of going into like this the staff room. So so I got invited into the kitchen and um 
three days a week, I would I would go and help put the haze around with, with Clifford had just Clifford Baker had just started the same literally a week before me, and um, and so I was part of the part of the kitchen, which was Clifford and Paul and Bridget and um, Ross Dark was the assistant at the time. So I was involved in in all of it. I went racing with Paul all the time and. Um, he was so enthusiastic and, and driven. It was unbelievable. I was part of that snowball. I remember we, um, Robert Ogden had, or Barry Simpson had phoned me up to, to ride one of his horses at Perth in an amateur race. And Paul flew up with me. He didn't have any runners, but he flew up with me because he knew that that was going to get him a chance to meet Barry Simpson. And um, <laughs> so he came up to Perth with me just to, to get that. So that's, um, that's how it was. And, you know, the horses were, the horses were arriving. Um, that week at Cheltenham when he had his first first festival win and, and the three cool equiname as well and yeah. um, and Seymour, you know he was he was absolutely popping then. That was you could, well you can imagine what he's like. He's still as driven now, but he um he, he was loving it at that stage. I, I must have been a an incredibly high octane intense atmosphere. Yeah, it was it was it was full on. Um, you know, I was still there when when he was going for his first championship and got to the last week when he was when he was up against Martin Pipe and um you know there was a lot he was he was sending horses here here there and everywhere um and he wasn't he wasn't quite capable of sealing it and then you know then we went up to Bangor and um ran a horse in a novice chase and and he fell and, and Paul walked walked the tr- walked off on his own around around the track you know he's he was that he wanted it that much and it, it wasn't quite happening but um it, it was it was intense, but I was part of it. He, him, him and Bridget were like um, like second family to me, nearly. You know, taking me on, teaching me about racing, taking me on trips everywhere, and um, it was just a great ride to go along with. I bet it was. How much of uh, the groundwork that you that you learnt there have you applied to to the training now? Oh, stack. So we used to um, when we put our gallop in at home, which would have been uh, sort of around two thousand. We just copied what Paul was doing. You know, we we started feeding Haylish because he did. We started feeding Vixen horse feed because he <laughs> did. Um, he went three times up his hill. So lucky we've got hill on the farm at home, and we put hill galloping, and we went three times up our gallop. It was um, that's how that's how how we did it. You know, we used to we used to put the same non-slip pads on them as Paul did because that's what that's what he used. And and so then we we brought it in at home. So um. There was there was a lot that that we sort of brought back and and I'd picked up and would say to Dad and Dad had picked up because he was racing with us a lot as well and and just um, you knew if you you were copying him you were doing it right. I know the easy answer is oh you just need results but what's the secret do you think to acquiring and retaining the modern owner which is what you seem to have got the knack of now. Yeah they. Uh... Our point of view at home is, you know, they they want results in it, but they also want a, a lot of fun. You know, they want a, a lot of interaction. You know, these boys are spending a lot of money. They're, I I say they're they're on their day out. So if we we've got to make it a fun day out for them, you know. So the social side of it, it's got to be good fun. Um, lots of interaction, and um, and a, and a, a bit of luck. If, if if they know that you're working for them and you're on their side and you, you're honest with these people, then um, then I think the results come and, and they stick with you. And if you're talking about a a real straight shooter who who likes the unvarnished truth, nobody would fit that description more than the late Bob Bishop, for whom you you trained Kew Garden and many other great horses. Um, 
how important for you personally was that horse? For me, it was. Um, it sort of gave me a second a second life as as a jockey. You know, I, I was mid twenties. I'd had two Cheltenham Festival winners, but nothing for ten years. And then then along came Q Card, and we like. I'd run for Bob for two or three years, but that was the first horse he bought and sent to us. And you know, right from day one, he was really sharp. Um, and then. After his win at Frontwell, we we kind of jokingly told people that this forty to one horse in the bumper, we think he's going to run a massive race. We didn't think he was going to do it like he did, but um, you know that 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 took me on again. You know, gave me me I sort of second lease of life on on horses, and um, I see it there now. Like he, he absolutely sluiced up, didn't he? And but he he gave us big days again. He gave us huge Saturdays and and gave me huge Saturdays. And, um, and that's what that's what being a jockey is all about. And I suppose when you are that little bit older, the depth of appreciation is greater. Definitely, you know, especially like I was saying, the, those those Paul Nichols horses. It was it was I was kind of oblivious to to what I was achieving, whereas I knew how I'd had had a few years on the on the still like riding plenty of winners, but. I knew what that I knew what that winner meant. I really did. Were you in slight disbelief at this point? Yeah, like quite how yeah. easily he'd done it. And it was the last race on the Wednesday as well, and it was it was quite quiet. I remember walking up in here, and it was quite quiet. And um, Dad, Dad, as much as anybody, I remember he always says like the hairs on the back of his neck stood up, and he couldn't he couldn't quite believe what was um, what was going on, but. Um, this was a huge day for our yard and our family and and the start of where we are now. No, Paul, you didn't train that one. No, Paul and Dan, they... Because <laughs> <laughs> Paul had trained the runner-up, didn't he? Alpha yeah, Alpha Rob, yeah. Well, that was a nice touch, him coming to congratulate you straight away. Yeah, well, he's he's he's, he's a good friend of mine. You know, like, whatever we've been through jockey-wise, that was business, but he's he's a good friend of mine, and um, and he, he meant that. He would have been proud of me. Oh, it's a great moment, a really great moment, and a wonderful horse. And he he bridged it really for you, didn't he? He bridged the transition from you riding and riding him to victories in the Ryanair and so forth to, you know, his subsequent glorious renaissance with you as the as the trainer essentially or assistant trainer. Yeah, he did. I mean, the fact that he kept coming back was was unbelievable. But he, he, you know, like even though he was he was still running when I decided to retire, I was hoping that he would come back. You know, because and then I remember Daryl was the first person to sort of get the ride on him, but he he never got to ride the real the mm. real cue card. You know, just for whatever reason, he wasn't wasn't quite right that year. Um, so he never really got it. But Paddy obviously <laughs> came in the next year and he he got it. And you know, I sat next to Paddy for all the years in the weighing room, and um, I was very proud that he'd got he'd he got that feel off of cue card that I'd had off of him. Uh, we had Paddy on the show just before Christmas, and he talked at length about the horse. Yeah. And still, he still hasn't forgiven himself for the for the fall in the Gold Cup. Will you will you allow him a, a, a bit of a bit of leeway? Yeah. It's, um, I'm not one that dwells on things. You know, it, it, it's um, you know, it's disappointing for everybody. Of course, of course, it was. And and like he's the first person to hold his hands up and, and wish he'd done something wrong. And um, and you you feel that. This one that's got away, but there's no point dwelling on it. There's um, can't change it at the end of the day. You can be disappointed, but then you have to. It's happened, you know. You fell, and, and you have to pick yourself up and move on. Do you think without that horse, you would have had 
Native River and Lost in Translation and all these great thistle crack and all the great staying chases you've had subsequently? Um, pro- probably not. He was the one that really propelled us. But but the whole yard was going in the mm. right direction. Yeah. You know, we'd had we'd had Joe Lively beforehand, and you need one horse that's just going to really propel you to that that next level. I mean, they, they don't they, they don't come along very often. There's plenty of horses that will take you so far, but he was the one that took us again, and he became a real people's horse, and everybody knew who Colin Tizard was, and and um. But but the yard was going in the right direction. We just we just needed a bit of needed that one horse to take it on again. And so, how is the responsibility divided now between you all? Um, well, it's uh, Dad is Kim and I try and keep as much off of Dad as as we can. You know, I do all of the um, all of the entries, all of the all of the decorations. Um, try to speak to as, as many people as possible. Kim runs the as your day, sister. Kim, yes, yeah. yeah um, people don't realise like the role she's got she runs the day-to-day running the yard so dad and i can be sort of like the good guys but if there's a bit of hay out of place kim is kim is on their back um so she's the actual boss she thinks she's his actual boss um, <laughs> <laughs> now we all all three of us work well together you know and we have to we have to you know probably when i first retired there was a couple of couple of probably 18 months where we were just sort of finding our feet of where we all where we all stand. How you all yeah. worked with each other. Yeah, and, and it's difficult trying to work with family members in yeah, that. Yeah, and it was, so. when I was a jockey, it was like come in, ride out, and, and shoot off racing and, and be gone. But when you're at home together all of the time, you need to just find find the balance. And um, so it took so, what, 18 months for that. But now now we know what's what. Dad, um, we, like, Dad's, Dad's never, never says no to anything. You know, so Kim and I can feed, feed an idea. Let him think it's his idea two weeks later, and um, <laughs> we get our own way. Um, so, so it works really, really well. But you know, I could say an easy Saturday. I could declare seventeen horses in four different directions at ten o'clock on a Friday morning, mm. and Kim, Kim makes sure they all get there, and all the, and with the help of the head girl and the assistant and our travelling head lad. But she makes sure, sure everything gets there. Mum does all of the colours. She makes sure they go there. Dad and I make sure they're all entered and everybody knows and soak up the glory soak up the glory yeah <laughs> when as they invariably do they keep winning have you ever had a a group as strong and as healthy as they are now no definitely not you know we we think back like a couple of years ago they were getting strong but now our novice hurdlers like we've never had a bunch of novice hurdlers as strong as these coming through and I think that's off the back of um you know, buying these horses, that's, that's as hard as anything, getting, getting them in our yard in the first, first place, you know, and uh, just through, um, well, Ross bought Lost in Translation privately for, mm. for Paul Taylor and Richard O'Dwyer, and then they, they introduced us to Ross, and then we, we started buying horses through him, and, um, you know, that's kind of, kind of developed where we're buying horses as well. You know, like Tom, Tom Malone bought us, um, our Gold Cup winners, and he still buys, still buys one or two for for brocade racing places. But but we try to do most things through Ross Doyle now, and that's um, he's he's working on our completely on our side, you know. But for jumpers, he's buying for us, and um, he's been a big big part of the last like, of these novice hurdlers coming up through anyway. So you've you've got the relationship with the agent, you've got the feed work routine sorted out, you've done development at the yard, everything is working in sync. When does your name become the one on the license? 
Funny, we were only talking about that a couple of days ago, Dad and I in the office. Um, but there's no rush, you know. There's no. They're talking about you can have these two names now, but there's three of us, so we can't we can't have Joe and Colin because Kim are. Kim will probably leave, and we can't, we can't deal with her. But it doesn't, it doesn't need to. You know, everybody knows who's who's there, and one day it will come, and it will it will change. But at the moment, it doesn't need to. Dad's not about to give it up. So, if there was a joint license, and you were allowed to have joint licenses, which as I know is slowly getting, they're slowly getting there, and your dad wanted to stand half to one side. Well, I can't, I can't really see him standing no, to one side, to be honest. Could it be Joe and Kim? I think we just—it would just be Tizard. Kim's not Kim's not a Tizard anymore, but she still she still calls herself Tizard when when she's talking to people who <laughs> she wants to know who she is. But um, I, I work well with Kim now, you know, and she is a big part of of the setup. And I'm not I'm not sat here trying to kill Dad off and say right that's your that's your <laughs> job, lot Kim. Off you go because um, because we know what we do. So you know, Dad often says we just call it Tizard. Racing, and are you are you as a person more fulfilled now in the training role than you were as a jockey? Yeah, yeah, I am. You know, I I, I love what we're doing now. Um, you know, we we sold the cows eighteen months ago as well because you know it was a big decision. That, that was how we started mm. as dairy farmers, and um, that was a big decision and a big push for for what we want what we want to do with the yard. And you know, I think it's already. Showing that um, that we're much stronger with me being able to have more time with the horses, but you know, I I love this side of it. I enjoy I enjoy watching horses on the gallop. I enjoy going racing. I enjoy the the whole all of it. You know, I enjoy dealing with the owners. Um, it's, there's a lot there's a lot of disappointment, but there's a hell of a lot of reward, and, and the reward at the moment is completely outshining the um, the disappointment. And do you feel? fortunate now in retrospect that you had a couple of bumps in the road early on in your own career in your own life and that that makes you more appreciative of what you've got now it makes you more appreciative but um i'm more in control of of sort of like my destiny as it was now yeah. you know the harder i work the more success we're going to have um you know and i and I don't want days off, you know. I don't want to not be in, not be in the yard. I, I, I live for it now and, and love every second of it. Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti Equiwell Dubai.